Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading. And that doesn't matter as much right now uh, because we are doing an off-topic podcast since folks are away for the holidays and have their minds on different things. I thought we would do a podcast about something other than telecom news and uh, technology information, although we do talk technology in this podcast. My guest today is Gary B. Smith. He is the CEO of Sienna, and I've talked to him on a number of occasions about his company and optical networking and all that that implies, but he's also an extremely gifted photographer. And uh, his series of black and white landscape photos, uh, some of them highlight water's influence on landscapes and man-made structures. Um, They show a kind of calmness and urgency, almost in alternating uh, uh, amounts. Um, They're very minimalist. They're very maniacally composed, if I may say so. And uh, they're almost otherworldly in that you can't quite tell where on earth each one of these things was shot. And I think, and there's there's definitely a reason for that, and we'll discuss that in the podcast. But I wanted to highlight um, uh, uh, Gary's work because, uh, first of all, I think it's very good. Uh, I love to talk photography, and um, and I thought it would be interesting to uh, expose a different side of somebody that's been uh, you know interviewed and talked about on Light Reading for a number of years uh, uh, to. Uh, Ah, just for the heck of it. Uh, But there's also some purpose to this, uh, a bigger purpose to this. Gary Smith is partnering with the Breast Cancer Alliance in support of its mission to fund early stage research and also to help um, not only promote health awareness, but also eliminate barriers uh, for access to health care for women who, um, uh, for whatever reason, you know, don't have insurance or can't get to uh, the health care that they need. Um, so he's, uh, his wife is a breast cancer survivor and, uh, he posted about this on LinkedIn. So if you can find his LinkedIn page, look for the December 1st post where he talks about, um, his passion for photography and how he's going to use that to support philanthropy. And in this case, what he's doing is he's got a, um, uh, a number of gallery prints, limited edition gallery prints that he's made of some of his best work. And he's going to take uh, some of the proceeds from the sales of those prints and uh, use it to support the Breast Cancer Alliance. So uh, it's it's an interesting uh, hobby from an interesting person and uh, an excellent cause. And I thought that was worth uh, uh, telling you about in podcast form. And hearing Gary himself talk about his work and his background in photography. So I hope you do enjoy it. I hope you're having a uh, lovely holiday season, whatever you may be doing. Hopefully you're indoors. Hopefully you're wearing a mask if you're seeing people. And uh, hopefully you're uh, filled with hope because uh, I think the uh, the other side of the pandemic uh, should be right around the corner. Um, have a great uh, rest of your year and we'll see you in 2021. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, uh, Gary Smith. Thank you for uh, for going off topic with us today. You're more than welcome. Thank you. Um, so let's. Uh, so since we are talking about photography, I want to uh, dive right into uh, your background in photography. Um, as you noted in a LinkedIn post uh, earlier this month, uh, this is something that you've that's been a part of your life for for a long time. Um, how did you get started in photography, and um, did it start out um, as a commercial thing, as a job that you were doing, or was it or was it a hobby? It started out 
you know, many years ago when I was a teenager as a, uh, as a hobby and it morphed into a real kind of passion. Um, you know, I think part of it is, you know, as I look back on it now, sort of a creative outlet, obviously I couldn't draw, I couldn't paint. I was terrible at all that stuff. <laughs> um, you know, I loved music, but couldn't play in it, you know, despite trying, you know, just couldn't do that. My brother, of course, was gifted on all of this stuff. So my <laughs> older brother, you know, so he could draw paint fabulously. Right. So I think there was some of that involved. My gosh, I got to find something that I can uh, be, be okay at, you know. Um, right. So I think that, that was part of it. So, and that, that morphed into, you know, um, I harassed the local photographer to, to, persuade you know him to take me on as an assistant yeah which basically meant you know i made the coffee and uh, and live, lived in the dark room basically you know? yeah that, that that's a, a pretty powerful training though i mean who, who knew back then that it, <laughs> that the uh that the foundational principles would be you know would 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 stick i i assume they did because i kind of had a a similar background in terms of the first thing I learned was developing in the dark room and, and then editing in the dark room. And I, I had barely even ever picked up a camera. Um, right. Uh, you know, when I, when I learned that process. Yeah, it, it, it is strange. Cause at the time it was sort of, I viewed it as just a necessary evil, right? It was something you had to do just to, 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 to get into it. But, uh, right. you know, I look back on it now and people that didn't have that basic grounding, you know, I, I think it's a huge benefit, you know, for mm -hmm. having really sort of understood, um, you know, the basic development of stuff as, as sort of Ansel Adams would have done it, um, you know, and cropping and shading and all that sort of stuff. And uh, it's like everything, you know, it, there are no shortcuts. It was a great apprenticeship as I look back on it, um, you know, doing all of that stuff. And, and, and of course, the photographer that I was fortunate, the photographer I worked with, you know, was, was actually quite a talented individual and did a lot of plate camera. It was all 10 by eight plate camera stuff, mainly oh, okay. for big, mainly, big, large format things, right? Yeah. Large format stuff, mainly for brochure work. So a lot of architecture, okay. a, a lot of studio work, um, you know, so quite technical kind of stuff, um, mm -hmm. which I, you know, look back on now is very fortunate to, to have that kind of a, of a training with them. And then, um, you know, then, then my career developed and I ended up in uh, as an industrial photographer. Um, but I kind of, you know, kind of burnt out on that. It's this classic sort of turn your hobby very quickly into your, your career. And it didn't kind yeah. of, uh, it, 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 it was tough, you know, um, and so then the world of communications came along and, um, the necessity to pay your mortgage and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I love photography, but I kind of burned out on it a little bit around that because it was tough to tough to earn a living. Yeah. I, I, I mean, especially now I tell people that like, you know, when they're like, Oh, do you do this for a living? And I'm like, no, this is why I like it so much. Um, I, I exactly. uh, it's, yeah. it's sometimes it's a little difficult to do something like photography for a living because of the, um, when you, once you add the demands and, and, uh, and, and the commerce element to it, it really does change the nature, I think, of what it is, you know, that, that you're doing. Um, yeah. So has, uh, so you were, so uh, help me understand what an industrial photographer is. Is that, is that mostly in working um, 
is that working in a particular kind of space or is that just architecture stuff or what, what, what it's is that? mainly ma mainly architecture and uh, okay. studio work of brochures so you know large oh, okay. cameras with you know so really kind of just commercial you know commercial oh, okay. kind of work but a, a lot of architecture stuff um and you know of course i did the uh the uh, ubiquitous weddings to to sure. help pay the pay the rent in between <laughs> but uh but i it's exactly as you say i i think um it took the spontaneity and fun and creativity out of it for me, you know, knowing that you've kind of got to, got to earn a living from it. it um, so that really kind of what kind of burnt me out on it early. So in my early twenties, I found this, uh, you know, thing called telecommunications that paid a little better. Uh, it was a little, you know, so uh, the first sort of fax machines and that kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, 9,600 Bode modems. And so yeah. I'm aging myself here, but good uh, stuff there. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As you progress through your telecom career, did you continue to keep photography? Did you continue to practice photography on the side? Or um, I guess what I'm getting at is like, did did your vision stay the same the whole time? Or did you, you know, it maybe, um, did it change along the way uh, as, as, as you got to where you are now? It, it, it's interesting. I kind of, you know, apart from the occasional sort of stuff, I basically put the camera down for 20 years. Okay. You know, so from my sort of late 20s to, you know, a few years ago, I basically put the camera down. Um, mm -hmm. Apart from a few sort of, you know, uh, occasional outings. But uh, if I look at the stuff that I did then to now, it is, I would say, the difference is, you know, my stuff now is a lot more minimalist based yeah. in terms of its form. Um, you know, it's pretty much all black and white, uh, you know, which I, I prefer because I think it sort of distills down to the essence of things. It's uncluttered. Um, mm -hmm. It also, uh, and that's helpful that I think that way because I'm also incredibly colorblind. I mean, like, oh, okay. in incredibly colorblind, which was okay. very entertaining when I worked in the, in the darkroom, uh, when I wasn't doing black and white. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's well, that another reason that, uh, you know, uh, full disclosure that I ended up doing black and white, but I, uh, I do, yeah. I do prefer it. Well, see, I, I, but, but on the flip side of that, uh, uh, the one thing, cause I'm, I'm a, I'm, not severely colorblind, but I'm colorblind enough that I can tell when I'm, when I'm off somehow, yep. like yep. I can't quite see the, the, especially with, uh, browns and greens and, you know, kind of yep. neutral colors. I can't Classic. quite yeah. see the exact nuance, but I know I'm off because it'll, it'll right. all just start looking muddy. So what I'm trying to figure out is like, um, uh, that to me seems like, uh, um, in some ways, film, if you use the same film consistently, it can kind of save you because it's just going to render colors the same way each time, no matter what you do. Um, but I guess if you're trying to please a commercial client and they want to make adjustments, now you're, <laughs> now you're stuck. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a drawback. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's why wow. even then I was shooting black and white a lot. Um, okay, that even, makes you know, sense. Whenever I could with it. but. Uh, yeah. Well, 
So my observations on, on the work that you have uh, out there now is, um, so, so you've explained a little bit about black and white. I would like to know like why you choose landscapes, but your technical background is starting to come, uh, is, is, is starting to assert itself here because you are very, it's very minimalist, but it's also very, um, very precise. Um, it, it's, it's not, um, hey, look at this cool landscape. It's like, no, there's like, you know, the leading lines and angles all over the place. And, you know, it's like, it, it's, it, it feels like you put a lot of work into setting the scene exactly the right way. And then on top of that, you're doing, um, I assume like blurring effects and, and time-lapsed, uh, exposures and things like that. And so, um, why, why did, uh, how did you get all, how did you go into that direction and why did that end up, uh, how did that take a, a form of uh, landscape photography as opposed to, you know, people or something like that? No, uh, and, th and thank you for the observations. There. I, I appreciate it. Um, I, I think it, uh, with me, you know, when I picked it all back up again, this thing called digital had happened. Mm -hmm. And I was used to, you know, uh, big plate cameras with films or, or uh, medium format cameras. Um, so, you know, it's funny how all that stuff sticks with you. Um, so even now I always shoot square, mm -hmm. you know, always shoot square. Uh, and huh. I use a medium, medium format camera because I love okay. the, uh, you know, I love the quality of the images that you get from the larger format, uh, even yeah. with all the digital stuff. And, you know, and I think coming back in and, and coming up to this, this learning curve, particularly, you know, something like Photoshop and stuff is a big learning curve, you know, and I yeah. even understanding all of the basics well. And so for me, that was a bit of a journey to it. And I, I've also have the view that, you know, what are you creating? You know, I, I'm not a journalist. I'm not capturing, you know, absolutely accurately everything at right. the moment. Yeah. It, to me, it's always been about creating what, you know, you, you see and mm -hmm. the ability now with all this digital stuff of multiple exposures and, you know, and I don't, you know, of the extremes of folks that use all of that, I, you know, I don't, it's got to look like a, you know, a normal image that I would not be conscious of the, Hey, this right. is all technical, but I think things like taking, you know, long time exposures. Some of the time exposures I take are, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, yeah. so you get, you know, you blur out the clouds or you get a nice pattern with that, or, um, you know, some of the water stuff you, you, you know, you impose with it. So, you know, it's around creating the feeling that you had at that, at, at that time with it. So the, the tools are just fantastic now. Um, mm. but the challenge with that is, you know, and I think you see a lot of it, you know, quite frankly, on social media, you know, the, the highly saturated colors and, yeah. you know, cause that's what, that's what the majority of people will get their attention to. And mm. I think a lot of that, you know, to my taste is sort of overdone. Um, as opposed to focusing on the space and form uh, of it. Um, but, you know, listen, there's no, there's no kind of rules to this stuff, which is, you know, it's the great photographic debate, right? Um, right, yeah. Well, but you were just sort of drawn to stuff that you weren't seeing a lot of, I guess. And, and, and maybe the, the exactly. discovery of the, of the tools helped you get from A to B a lot more quickly than you could have otherwise. Because I could, I could just imagine what a heartbreaking minute it would be to 
um, develop a 15 minute exposure in large format film and then find that it didn't really work. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, 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 the thing about that very often, you know, that's sort of two days later, right? When you've got yeah. through the dark room and the rest of yeah. it, you can't, you know, you can't bring back that piece, particularly in the landscape. And, uh, yeah. you know, you think about somebody like Ansel Adams when he had to deal with all of that. Um, right. You know, you want to try and get it in one take, as they say. Um, yeah, and digital uh, is possible now, whereas like, oh, you know, fantastic. He, he took, I, I think he took amazing first cut images, but it is also amazing how how much work he did on them in the dark room um, and yeah. how, how, how picky and precise he was <clears> as <throat> to where where he wanted to push your, push your eye along the, you know, right. move it along the frame, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, he was kind of an editing maniac, but... <laughs> but. Well, and, uh, I, and I don't think there's sort of... I don't think a lot of people really appreciate that. You know, he, no. he spent probably at least as much time and effort on uh, on the development of it, and he was a pioneer yeah. there, you know, with the tonal range and all the rest of it. But, um, yeah, yeah he, there's a lot of, you know, what they would call manipulation goes on to to his images. but But they all look supernatural you know, right i mean that yeah. like natural looking not supernatural yeah um, yeah no they they look like and and i mean uh, you know as a photographer like look i would i would be perfectly happy with the the images that fell right out of his camera because he, he was a <laughs> he was a superb <laughs> photographer too. you know full stop but yeah but the fact that he had all that editing skill it it, it does it, it, it made everything feel more lifelike even though you know, the more you dig into it, the more you go like, well, this can't possibly be exactly, you know, I can't see this yeah. detail here and this detail way up here. If the sun's coming, you know, like if you just think it through, you realize yeah. it's a manipulated photo, but it doesn't feel like it at all. It feels completely um, organic. And that's what I think that that impression and that, um, you know, especially like just the majesty of some of these landscapes, that's, that's what I think is, is, that's the genius you know, of him. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And I could. I could say. So is he? So is he one of your uh, primary influences, or are there others that, uh, that he, you sort of he, their work? He was early on, but the the other the other uh, big influence on me was uh, Michael Kenner. Um, okay. And particularly when I came back into it a few years ago, you know, I I loved his books and um, and his work and. For for folks who don't know him, he's a he, he was a, a fellow Brit, also a northern uh, northern Brit like myself, um, and he photographed some of his stuff. He was sort of one of the first folks to to photograph industrial landscapes, you know, like oh, okay. uh, gas gas centers and coal right. mines, and and yeah. I just loved the tones that he was getting on that. Always shot black and white. Um, yeah. Still uses still shooting, but still shooting. That's how a film. lot of England still looks, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certain parts of it, anyway, Phil. Yeah, yeah. certainly where I was brought up. Uh, you know, I was brought up in the industrial part. You know, the Midlands, um, and it was you know, a lot of it was sort of old factories and coal mines, and yeah. so I, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, and I love photographing it actually. Mm. Um, and Michael Kenner was a big influence on me. He's a fantastic photographer. Yeah. Oh, that's it. That's that's interesting. Yeah. The the end. Yeah. That's it. It was true that he he took the um he took what I would call like, yeah like the industrial landscape and kind of put it on the same level as like Yosemite and and whatever you know he just took a lot of care and you know yeah 
presenting that side of the of the world, which I thought thought was interesting. Um, uh, when you when you go out now, a lot of the places that you're um, another observation about your work. A lot of the places that you photograph are um, uh, really scenic in their own right, but you add like an element to it, whether it's um, you know uh, a stillness by sort of freezing everything by making the water completely still, or at the same time you also make you know add some that have a motion to them because the water is like blurring into uh you know into this kind of um haze um but they're but but they look like beautiful places anyway do, do you discover these along the way when you're out or do you uh, purposely like map out like oh i have to i have to go to this trail or this mountain or this lake um to do that i think it's it, it's evolved um, certainly COVID has been very different than, than I did it previously. And we can talk about sure. that, but, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I try and avoid the, the obvious iconic places, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, what, what are you going to add to some of the stuff that's been done, you know, very right. well in all of those places. So I, I tend to be more offbeat with it. Um, and I look for, sort of see you know areas that i think have sort of high potential around it and i basically i will do as much research as i can on things like google maps and you know etc um and so i do try and do that but i i also you know take the opportunity to spend a lot of time just on the trail on my own and that's part of the Mm -hmm. enjoyment of it and you know a lot of my favorite images they've taken were not pre-planned were you know are not of iconic kind of scenes um and things that i've discovered and and very often it means going back to the same place i mean some of those images i've gone back 20 times to get you know because i just can't i I think I know what I want and I'm not getting it, you know, because the, the light's not right or the weather or the, you know, the whatever, or I, I look at it and have a different idea about it. So, you know, but that's not always possible when you're, you know, you're in Italy or New Zealand or whatever, right? You just, <laughs> right. You, you, you just can't, but um, you know, I, 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 a lot of the images that, that um, I enjoy are ones that I've gone back to a number of, times um, okay you know and, yeah, I, and, and worked on well it's interesting too because you can't you, you know unlike portraiture or something like that you know you can't just move the light around <laughs> you have to, you have to yeah. come back at a completely different time of day you have no control yeah. over the elements and all that stuff so yeah it's a yeah. it's a bit more challenging i think you have to be a bit a bit persistent about it if you want to get exactly the way you know if you have a specific look in mind and you want to get that look there's you have to kind of wait till everything lines up, I guess. Um, well, I've, en- I've enjoyed, you know, I say enjoyed, that's probably the wrong word to talk about 2020, but, um, <laughs> you, you know, I, uh, it, it, it's put a different set of challenges to all of us, but, um, yeah. you know, so my photography in the last year, you know, I've used that as, as an outlet to, you know, get a few days here and there out. And, you know, obviously that's just local, you know, traveling uh-huh. up and down the East Coast. Um, mm-hmm. But that actually has been interesting to me because it's kind of a forcing function on, I don't think I would have done some of the discovery that I've done locally um, mm-hmm. and also lean more towards, you know, I did a whole series of stuff in, in the industrial part of Baltimore. 
um, oh, okay. which has fascinated me for ages because they've got these old bridges, railway bridges, you know, that link yeah. into the marine in, industrial stuff and some beautiful old, um, old iron bridges. Um, and so, you know, that's been a lot of fun for me and, and the ability to go back there. Cause obviously, you know, it's, it's within striking distance of, of where I live. That's actually been a good discipline for me. I've enjoyed that. Hmm. So, so kind of, uh, you, you've taken the, the, uh, the challenge of discovering things that are a little bit more, uh, accessible and, you know, kind of finding some out of the way places that, uh, well, like I said, the, the way you render them, you wouldn't be, I couldn't tell you where some of these places are. I think, I think you do that intentionally though, right? That, that, that it's not like, I don't look at it and go, Oh, there's Brooklyn, you know, <laughs> or whatever. <Right. laughs> yeah. Um, which I mean, you can typically the- find in a landscape <laughs> photographer's portfolio. <laughs> yeah. It's not in that shot down the cobble street. With the, right, exactly. Uh, with the bridge in the background. And, uh, you know, the shot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of I course. Do know the shot. So, oh, look, the sun's to- coming in between the two buildings. Hmm. That's never shot. been done. Yeah. <laughs> no, All right, so I'm, I'm... I try and do stuff that's not been uh, that's not obvious and not been been done. And I um I love the architectural stuff too, and I love the sort mm-hmm. of gritty industrial piece combined with water. Yeah. You know, to your earlier point, you know, water to me is just such a great dimension. You know, that changes, um, and the interaction of the water. You know, I did a series with with I didn't start out with this idea, but I shot some local dams um, Mm -hmm. and the water coming over with the patterns that was created by the, that really kind of uh, got me jazzed around the kind of interaction of of water and um, on, on, on dams and the way that, you know, man-made channels created different patterns in the water. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, really enjoyed that. Yeah. That's uh, Yeah. That's one of the ones I think that creates the interesting, like I, don't look at those things and to, when they're frozen and um, sort of blurred, you know, and, and, you know, have a certain effect applied, especially like black and white, like you said, to have that, have those things kind of distilled down to their essence is it's a really interesting, um, interesting way to look at something that if I pass it by, you know, on a hike or something like that, I don't really give it two seconds of thought. You know, I just right. kind of yeah. block it out because I'm more interested in the trees or whatever. But now, you know, it's, it, it is interesting that stuff that you kind of add a contemplative uh, element to it. You kind of want to go back and go, well, maybe I should give these things another look. <laughs> you know, well, like maybe, the- <laughs> there's something here. And if that makes people do that, then that that's fantastic. You know, I, um, I do think that black and white, helps distill it down and you get, you know, more focus on the form and mm-hmm. also, also the space, you know, right. try and unclutter it so that you present it in a, in a different way. Cause so much of our, our life and our world now is, is cluttered, right. With, yeah. with noise and color and, you know, and uh, bright, shiny objects. And I think, you know, getting down to form is quite, you know, certainly for me, it's, it's quite therapeutic. What's the, um, uh, you know, I guess this probably isn't as big a deal in the, in the pandemic because people have been mostly, you know, just not as many people are out moving around, but, um, do you find, this is just something I'm wondering is like, when you go to photograph a, an area or a landscape or something like that, do you have to wait for people to leave? Are there ever people around or do you kind of like purposely focus on an area where people can't, where it's inaccessible to people anyway? I kind of two 
two elements to that. From a landscape point of view, if there's tons of tourists and people around, then I'm probably in the wrong space. Okay. You know, yeah. uh, and that, that's how I think about that, you know, right, mm -hmm. rightly or wrongly. But when I do my sort of cityscape stuff, um, you know, obviously there's people going around their business and uh, um, you've just got to be sort of super thoughtful around how to, you know, take the images without huge sort of, now there are people who do great jobs with featuring the people and the crowd. Yeah. That's not, that's not, you know, that's not my area of uh, sort of uh, look or, or expertise, but, mm -hmm. and I, and I tend to do it, you know, really, really early in the morning because that's the light that I like or mm -hmm. later on in the day, not always, mm -hmm. but later on in the day. So generally, you know, most of the places in, you know, in a dam in the middle of nowhere, there's not, right. you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, not a lot of guys with, yeah, a lot of guys with, uh, with binoculars and maps running around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on because you were away from it and then you came back to it. Um, what do you think of what's available to us in terms of cameras now and, and kind of the technology, you know, that, that's in the industry? It doesn't sound like you make you you tend to use a lot of the or you, you tend to keep up with the cutting edge stuff, because if you're in the medium format world, which I am, I it only moves so fast. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's, it's, so I think my, my prejudice, you know, interestingly, I go back to the sort of large format because that's what I'm comfortable and was used to, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm used to looking down even on the medium format with an old Raleigh flex or, uh, you know, I had a really old, which was the love of my life was this old Hasselblad 500 CM, which was about, Oh, yeah. you know, 20, 20 years old when I could afford it, you know, and I saved up all my money for it. So I, I've still, yeah. you know, I still love uh, the medium format, but uh, you know, an observation, the two things I would say is one, it is incredible what you can do now with this digital stuff. And to the conversation we're having earlier, the great thing about it is you can look in the back of it and see what you got pretty yeah. much, even in raw, you know, you, you can yeah. figure out, I mean, you, you know, when you've kind of got what you want in there. Sure. Um, and that to me is amazing. I don't have to wait three days for that. But I also, <laughs> but I also think that, you know, people over rotate on the technical part of this. Yeah. And, you know, to me, you know, and listen, I'm a technologist, I'm a geek like everybody else. I love all this stuff. It's fun. <laughs> but I think in yeah. photography for me, you know, I just want that to be a reliable tool that, that I don't have to think about. Mm -hmm. What I'm concentrating on is, you know, what I'm trying to, to capture here. And so it becomes sort of a natural extension. And I think, you know, I use the new, the, the Hasselblad uh, uh, X1B, X1D. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's fantastic because it's intuitive. It's, you know, got large stuff on the back you can read uh, yeah. simply and in different conditions. And it's yeah. a workhorse. And, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I use, you know, just two or three fixed lenses. Um, and, you know, I think the discipline of shooting square, I always shoot on a tripod because um, mm -hmm. I think it's a forcing function on making sure that you've done your work on the framing. 
Right. And so, it, you know, to me, it, this equipment is just there for the purpose of, you know, enabling you. And it's just so fantastic what it can do now. Um, yeah. And it's also pretty forgiving, you know, yeah. as well, you know, which is something, you know, if you, you know, in, in my previous life, if you got something wrong dramatically <laughs> on exposure or something, you know, you'd maybe get away with a stop. But yeah. you know, uh, can't now you can put multiple exposures for, yeah. you know, for uh, I mean, it's just fantastic. I just really, really enjoy it. That's what I like about it. even though the even though technology wise the the thirty five millimeters uh, DSLRs and all that or or the smaller form factor cameras yeah. they all race ahead of it in terms of technology, but yeah. in terms of the final output and the fact that like you said, if you know your film background it doesn't matter if you blow out highlights because you know how to take another exposure where you save the highlights and then you just right. pop those on top of each other and you've got a, a, a resolution and a product that like the 35 millimeter just can't put together. You know, it's like, it, 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 it's impossible. You know, and I, it, it's, it, it's a sad thing really, but I always shoot manual. So all of the, yeah. you know, a lot of the technology I don't, you know, use in terms of the, or I do manual focus. I always do manual exposure. You know, everything is manual because I want that control. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, you know, you, you use their exposure meters and the rest of it through it, but, um, right. you know, I try and keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. You know, that, that would really summarize my whole thing. I've got equipment that I'm used to. I know how it works. I don't have to really think about it. And I use it in manual so that I've got, you know, kind of control um, yeah. of it. And e even in, in post-development, you know, I really kind of keep it simple. Uh, you know, I think um, it was Michael Kenner talked about, you know, molding the clay and doing it very gently, you know, is how he talks about it. And that, that resonates with me. You know, I don't do a lot of crazy stuff in the, mm -hmm. in the, in, in the developing uh, stage either. I try and keep it, I try and keep it simple. Yeah. I feel like that's almost a different discipline altogether. It's like there, there are people that photography is a means to an end. And then there are others that the photograph is just the starting point. <laughs> and right. they're, they're, they're really like digital painters and yeah. The, yeah. the photograph it, is really just the canvas and they just kind of build, build it on top of that. Um, but it, it all, it almost feels like a different, uh, thing. And I, I, you know, I don't know about you, but we're, you know, we're both in, um, you know, white collar work. It's like, I don't want to really spend my weekends spending five hours on a computer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Photo. It's not, not, exactly. not exactly the best. Um, no. a, uh, uh, oh, and the, the other thing I was going to say was I, I, I liked your observation about the, um, the, the camera being a tool that you hope, maybe you hope kind of gets out of your way as soon as possible that like you're, yeah. you're, you're really trying to take in the, the scene or as a, as one of my, uh, uh, the guys I learned from, uh, Jay Mazel, the photographer, uh, the street photographer says, uh, you have to take the time to see what you're looking at, <laughs> which always, he would say that and you would kind of walk away and scratch, scratch your head. And then, and then you get out in the field and you kind of know what he's talking about. It's like you're, you're if the camera starts to become, an obsession, then it's like, then, then, then the camera's in your way. Then your photography is yeah. all about the camera and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Hasselblads are great though, because of the, um, uh, 
if you are, if you grew up using those lenses, it's like, I can't, I, I would have been surprised if you had named another digital format that you went to, because what I feel like once you, once you start to use those lenses and kind of have, they, they have a particular feel to them. Yeah. I, I, I would, um, I would actually be, I would actually be disappointed if you had gone <laughs> to a different system. <laughs> No, I, I, I love them, I, you know, and it, a lot of it's what you sort of grew up with. But uh, yeah. to me, it's sort of like a, just a natural extension of, uh, of that stuff. And um, no, it, it, I, I love it. Absolutely love them. Well, I do appreciate you taking the time. Um, promote, uh, well, we're going to promote two things real quick. First of all, promote uh, one thing uh, for yourself. So give us either your Instagram or your website or something that we can uh, follow and go see your work. Okay. Uh, uh, g.b.smithphotography is Instagram and g. Uh, gbsmith.com is my uh, website. Okay. And now and, to, uh, okay. Um, to offset the ego karma. Now you promote something that, uh, <laughs> that, that you enjoyed that someone else did and you had nothing to do with, and it can be anything. It can be photography. It can be music, movie, whatever. So I'd say two things to that. There's a photographer called Scott Retha, uh, who is a, a phenomenal photographer that I think should get more acclaim than he does and I just encourage folks to, to look at his work uh, he's okay. absolutely uh, terrific um, so that would I, be my do you know how to spell his last name so I'll get it in the... R-E-I-T-H-E-R okay got it Scott Reether okay excellent uh, was there anything else or was that was that the, the one thing Nope, the, the other, the, the, just the last piece, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to link up with the Breast Cancer Alliance. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I've sort of combined is this passion with with also sort of, you know, tr trying to trying to give back. And so, you know, the proceeds from any of the prints all go to the Breast Cancer Alliance. Yeah, I wish you well on that. And I hope, uh, I hope folks at least um, check out your work, follow, you know, what you're doing there, get to know a different side of Gary Smith. And also, um, it, you know, uh, if you're, <laughs> if, if you're in the market for art, purchase something that's going to give back. I think, I think uh, uh, the link you have with the Breast Cancer Alliance, it's, it's personal to you and your family. And I think that's a, it's a, a great cause. Thank you, Phil. All right. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Take care. That's it. That's our show for today. Thanks to our amazing producer, Tian Fu, for all his hard work editing the podcast. And also a big thanks to our listeners for tuning in and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have any ideas about a future podcast topic or a potential guest for the show, please email us at editors at lightreading.com. Please also tell a friend to subscribe and thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. We'll see you next time.